The opinions expressed on The Rob Report are the opinions of the hosts, participating callers, and or listener emails, texts, and letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Forum Communications. Afternoon, it's Rob Port 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM 701 293 9000 That's right, it's the Rob Report, who, at least according to some reports, Eric, is easy to listen to. <laughs> That's right, it's, it's, it's easy listening talk radio. <laughs> I've heard from a few people they wanted to remain anonymous, but there are a few people, yeah. believe it or not. That like listening to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of my fans want us to be anonymous. I was telling uh, Rob off the air, I said he's kind of like uh, the, the comparison I make. Like, you go to a funny movie, like the movie Ted. You know, if you kind of got that little sense or like a weird sense of humor, but yeah. you don't want to admit to your friends that you really liked the movie or you went to watch it, that's kind of like listening to the Rob Port show. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Report. Yeah, that's right. I am the I am the I am the equivalent in political commentary to Seth Mark Farlane's uh, profane and oddball comedic stylings. Well, we could flip it over to Deadpool. That was the actual comparison, but that was the actual I, I wanted comparison. to throw a new movie. No, at that's you. all right. No, I like the comparison. Um, all right. Well, we got. Uh, hopefully, we got a good show coming up. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the, uh, the the most recent developments of the Secretary of State race situation, uh, as well as some people out there hatching conspiracy theories about the establishment who took down Will Gardner. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, also, Julie Fedorchek. Now, I think this is an interesting issue. Eric, does it bother you when you're driving across the North Dakota countryside? And I, at first, I gotta say, I love North Dakota. Um, I love living here. I, I love the landscape. I love the state. I love the people. I love every single thing about it. I was born in Alaska, uh, but my mom's side of the family's got deep roots here. Mm-hmm. I come here, and this is home. I love this state, and so I care very deeply about how it looks like. Does it bother you when you're driving across the countryside and you see those flashing red lights from the wind farms? Does that bug you? Uh, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I, I would prefer not to look out in the landscape and see a bunch. Just I, I don't mind the red lights. It's just the towers in general. But they serve their purpose, and there's plenty of yeah. great places still to look at in North Dakota. And, hey, if we can start developing renewable energy, that's fantastic. So I yeah. guess my answer would be uh, it's not prefer- preferable. I wouldn't want them in my backyard. Let's put it that way. But if yeah. I have to pass by them for four or five miles, that's fine. You know, it, it doesn't bother me so much the things themselves. Because, I mean, I'm I'm pro-oil development. You drive out in western North Dakota, you see the pumps, you see the the drill sites, you see all that stuff. I mean, we're an industrial state. You're going to see the evidence of industry, whether it's agriculture, tractors in the fields, or, you know, oil derricks or, or wind farms. You know, that's that's just kind of the nature of living in North Dakota. The lights, though, I mean, there, there's a big wind farm uh the 80 highway 83 goes right through it um south of minot and i could tell you at night i mean you could see it. it's south of minot you could see it from north of minot it looks like an alien invasion with all the the flashing lights (laughs) i mean it's it's something else um and that bothers me a little bit but there may be a solution on the way the public service the legislature i believe passed a law and we're going to get an update on this at one o'clock from public service commissioner julie fedorchek but the uh, they're talking about some new technologies that could um, like dim the lights. There's also even a technology. Now this is really cool. 
there's a technology that would only turn the lights on when there's an aircraft detected nearby, right? Because that's the whole point of the lights flashing up there in the first place is to warn pilots uh, that those wind you know, turbines are there and, and to avoid a collision. Um, this would actually, I, I guess there's some way where, where uh, an airplane would, its presence would automatically turn on the lights. The lights would only come on when there's an airplane in the vicinity. Uh, that makes sense. I would think the biggest purpose for those lights would be not commercial airlines, but it would be more of the crop dusting planes and the personal yeah. aircraft because but most big planes would think a lot of those are flying at, at night, though. No, probably not. So, Yeah. I, I don't know. All the, anyway, I, I tell you, I don't know all the regulations or everything behind them. Um, the idea of only turning the lights on when, when you need them, uh, makes sense to me. I mean, obviously, we want it to be safe. We don't want to put any pilots or anybody else at risk. But, you know, if there's a way where we could split the difference between safety and uh, um, maybe a more pleasing uh, landscape, uh, I say let's go for it. Anyway, Commissioner Fedorchek, she knows all the regulations. She's going to be on at 1 o'clock. Plus, your phone calls, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. So yesterday, Eric, we had a little bit of breaking news on the show. We had NDGOP chairman uh, Rick Berg on, uh, and he announced before the Secretary of State himself made the announcement that Al Jagger, uh, well, he didn't come out and say that Jagger was getting yeah, the race. Yeah, I was going to get you on that one. He didn't completely let it out. You asked him a question, and he didn't deny it. Let's put it he that way. He didn't deny it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> His lack of response was essentially our answer. Um so, yeah, but anyway, we know now Secretary Jagger back in the Secretary of State race now that Will Gardner has withdrawn from the race over that controversy over a 2006 um, window peeping incident. He was convicted of disorderly conduct. Um, you know, not a good situation all the way around. Uh, but this obviously changes the um, well, it changes the shape of the debate. Now, a lot of people are out there making some claims. You know, they're talking about the fact that Ryan Rauschenberger, our tax commissioner, has a DUI on his record, uh, that Josh Boucher, the Democratic Secretary of State candidate, has uh, two alcohol-related reckless driving convictions on his record, uh, plus another one I, I think it's related to uh, drinking in public. Um, you know, they're saying, well, well, Will Gardner had to withdraw because of a misdemeanor related to this peeping Tom thing, why don't these other candidates have to withdraw? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But right now, what, so, so let's, let, let's talk about some of the what's going on with Jagger. So as it stands right now, a write-in candidate has until 4 o'clock p.m. today to get on the June primary ballot. Now, the June primary ballot is, you know, when, when you go to the polls um, for the statewide races and, and, and the local races, you choose – uh, either a Republican ballot, a Democratic ballot, or I, I guess even a Libertarian Party ballot. Uh, I don't even know, you know, assuming there's there's Libertarian candidates in your district. I, I think there's only one statewide Libertarian candidate this cycle in the Secretary of State race, Roland Reimer, he's running on a post. But anyway, you select one of those candidates, um, one of those ballots, and, and basically you vote for only the Republicans and only the Democrats because you're selecting the nominees for the party. So what's happening is Will Gardner is going to be on that June primary ballot. No way to get his name off it at this point. Um, a write-in candidate could get on the ballot, but the problem is there's already been early voting going on. So there's already been thousands of ballots cast with Will Gardner essentially running unopposed. And so at this point, a write-in candidate has to hope to overcome that and by the way, it's it's not clear to me. Now, some people have told me one way. Some people have told me the other way. Generally, if, if your name is on the June primary ballot and you lose on the June primary ballot, you cannot advance to the general election. Now, I don't know if that same applies to somebody who files as a write-in candidate. I don't know. But 
what Al Jager's doing is he's not going to the primary ballot at all. He's going to the general election ballot. He's going to be on there as an independent. Now, what it sounds like is going to happen, the NDGOP released a statement this morning, and what they said is that they are going to endorse a independent candidate in the Secretary of State race. Now, they didn't specifically say Jagger, and I have a feeling that probably has to do with the fact that they haven't had a, a committee vote, and they don't want to come out and just say that they're going to endorse um, Jagger before they have the official vote. But I think we could probably safely assume the NDGOP is going to endorse Jagger as an independent candidate against Josh Boucher. Now, what's interesting, though, is that what Rick Berg told us yesterday is it's his understanding that Gardner's name doesn't have to be on the general election ballot because obviously Gardner's probably going to win the June primary because at this point he's running unopposed. So he wins the June primary. Normally that automatically puts your name on the general election ballot. So what Berg told us yesterday is that Gardner could basically, as long as it's, you know, within a certain amount of time before election day in November, can come out and just decline the nomination, at which point the nomination is void. But here's what, and John Hageman just put up an article about this in the Fargo Forum. This is what he wrote about it. He said, I quote, state law says if somebody declines a nomination in writing roughly two months or more before the election, quote, the nomination is void. Democratic State Representative Josh Boucher, his party's candidates for the office, said we have attorneys certainly taking a look at the process for removing a candidate's name from the ballot. Now, would it surprise you, Eric, to learn that maybe the Democrats don't want Will Gardner's name off that ballot? Uh, yeah, it would not surprise me at all. I mean, because what what's that going to do? That, that puts a Confusion. Republican choice in front of voters. That confuses some voters. Obviously, Will Gardner's not going to take that office. But if he peels 10,000 votes away from Al Jagger as the alternative, maybe that's enough for, for a Democrat to win. It really depends on how much of a media blitz that they put out there. But, yeah, you're right. If that yeah. if that name stays on there, there's still going to be a fair portion of people. Some because, people are going to vote. Yeah, and, and, still, maybe, maybe, and maybe they'll even cast that vote as a protest against Al Jagger. I don't right. know. Yep, yep, that's very possible. Um, so I, I don't know. So, I mean, that, that's obviously going to confuse matters. It behooves Democrats probably to keep that name on the ballot. Now, <laughs> excuse me, the law should be followed. There's no question about that. Um my understanding from the law is 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 Gardner is allowed to, to decline that nomination, doesn't have to put his name on the general election ballot. If that's the case, um, you know, I, I hope Democrats just accept that and don't make an issue out of it. I mean, but again, the law's got to be followed. But but here's what bothers me about this whole thing is, is and I, I talked about this yesterday, and I even wrote my Sunday column about it, which I, I sent in earlier today. The issue is that, Elections should be about the candidates, right? It should be two or three or four, however many candidates competing with one another to demonstrate to voters that they have the best ideas and the best governing philosophy and the best qualifications, et cetera, et cetera, for the job that they're running for. And so the race should be about, well, I think the I think we ought to do this. I think we ought to implement this policy. I think we ought to approach this problem this way. That's what it should be about. What it should not be about is a candidate winning because the other candidate imploded. Right. And it and, and becomes a, a non-factor in the race. What it shouldn't be about is a candidate winning because through some technicality in law, a name gets left on the ballot for a candidate who's not even in the race anymore. And that name draws away votes and, and ultimately settles the race. I mean, it would be a shame if the state if, if the next secretary of state for the state of North Dakota hinged on a technicality of law. And not a, a, a robust debate between the two candidates. I mean, the Secretary of State race was always going to be an interesting one. 
Will Gardner, his past problems, which totally disqualify him from office, and it's his own fault. Um, Will Gardner was, was an interesting qualified candidate. Josh Boucher is an interesting qualified candidate. I was looking forward to the debate between those two candidates, and now I'd like to see a debate between Al Jagger and Josh Boucher, but the dynamics have changed, and, and I don't I don't want to see this race hinge on what happened with Will Gardner. That would be a shame. The Secretary of State's office deserves better. Which, by the way, yesterday I was asking the question about, uh, Eric, about the last time a Democrat won, not, not for federal office, but for state-level executive office. I was right. It was 2006. Roger Johnson elected as agriculture commissioner. Ooh, good takeoff. And he didn't. He didn't. He didn't finish the term. Also, guess how many Democratic Secretary of States we've had since the office was created in 1889 at statehood? Was there a run of Democrats that got in years ago? There's been one. There's, There's been, been one, one Democrat. Okay. Wow. One. One Democrat uh, who served in office from 1989 to 1992. At which point. Al Jagger took over. One mm. Democrat since 1889 as Secretary of State. That's crazy. You think Democrats aren't? I mean, I, I, look at the position Democrats are in right now. I mean, I think I think publicly they've got this facade of seriousness uh, because obviously the situation with Will Gardner, I mean, that's a very serious thing. So I think publicly that's how they're treating it. Behind the scenes, I'm sure they're giddy because, A, they haven't won an executive branch state-level race, statewide race, since 2006. Obviously, Heidi Heitkamp won a federal race in 2012. Earl Pomeroy won a House race in 2008. 2006, though, is the last time they won a state government executive branch office. Uh, and they've, they've only had one Democratic Secretary of State since statehood. You think they're not salivating? You think they're not so lethal do at the think, opportunity here? Do you think the run, obviously, we realize it's a heavy Republican state. So do you think that's it? Or is it the lack that the Democrats really just have not had a really strong candidate? Since 1889? You get what? Uh, well, I get it. I mean, it's heavily Republican, but Democrats have won. They've just needed really strong people to be able, and yeah. and basically a weak candidate on the Republican side. It's been done, but very rarely. But I, th- I think if you look, it's it's actually fascinating. Wikipedia actually has they have all the statewide offices, and then they they basically have in red and blue, you know, the periods of time that those offices have been held by Republicans versus Democrats. And and I got to tell you, the um the the amount of time that Democrats have held state-level office in North Dakota. Not very much. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're at Port 970, WDAY, AM 93.1 FM. It's the easy listening show. That's the new tagline, Eric. Easy listening talk radio. I like it. I'm going to have to find like some uh, Kenny G or something, though, and start mixing that in. Oh, let's not get crazy. <laughs> let's not. Barry Manilow. Let's, let's Steve not Hinwood, do that. No. Journey. No. <laughs> no. Are, are you kidding me? We want. All we right. want uh, people. And and by the way, Eric, I just uh, randomly does an update popped up, and I clicked in the wrong place, uh, and now my computer's restarting. So I have absolutely <laughs> no information in front of me. <laughs> Beautiful. Would you like me to flip on some air supply for you while we wait? No, no, I, I don't. This is, I, I don't know how long it's going to take to do these up. Well, this is fantastic. You know what's really fantastic is your screen froze, and all I yeah. have is a picture of you with your your mouth wide open. Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> I'm going to oh, take wonderful. a screenshot of that and send it to yeah. the forum. They can use that as your new. Uh... As my new. You know, uh, I, should, I should share this story because it used to be that I had a little bit of an acrimonious relationship with the Fargo Forum. Did you know they once editor they once cracked a fat joke about me in an editorial? Did you know that? I did not know that, but I did know that they didn't 
particularly care for you. We had we had a little bit of a rivalry. Let's let's put it that way. So they had uh, they had cracked a uh, they cracked up. First of all, they, they called me a portly blogger. Get it? Because my last oh, name. Oh yeah, and I'm got fat. It. Yeah, clever. Hilarious guy. I actually thought about it was that for fun. ten seconds. Or um, so anyway. So so they did that. So but one time so. To annoy my wife, now my ex-wife, maybe maybe for a reason, um, she she was telling me I was I I had messed up when I was trimming my beard, right? And I so I, I had to shave the whole thing off. But what I did is I shaved it into like a Fu Manchu thing. It looks silly. <laughs> it looked really silly. But I took a picture of myself and put it as my profile picture, right? Okay. Just kind of just kind of I don't know. I was being goofy or whatever. A little fun, yeah. So anyway, I, 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 it was there for like a day, and then I changed it or whatever. But it was still in my past profile picture. So like two months later, I make news. I, I forget even what the news article was about. But I was in some news article, something I wrote, and it got a lot of attention or whatever. And the forum decides to run a story about me. And guess which picture? Not my current Facebook profile picture did they decide to use. But they decide to use the weird one with the Fu Manchu facial hair. From my face. Now, you can't tell me that's not an editorial choice. Oh, absolutely. That they made to make me look a little silly. Well, that's fine. That's fine. And now I work for him. Go figure. All right. Uh, we're talking about Will uh, Will Gardner as I sit here and wait for my computer to restart. I am completely befuddled now. Um, we're talking about Will Gardner. So the other thing is, now that Gardner's out of the race, there is a contingent of people who see a conspiracy theory. And I've been seeing these people on Facebook because when, when Gardner won over Jagger at the NDGOP convention, there was a faction of Republicans who looked at it as a great victory over the quote-unquote Republican establishment. Now, I'm not sure that that's true. I think there are a lot of people in the Republican Party who maybe just thought it was time. Jagger had been in office since 1992. There have been some issues, some questions about his willingness to embrace new technologies and update the procedures and and protocols and that at his office uh, and i i think there was just a, a a feeling among a majority of the convention delegates at the nd gop convention that it was maybe time for somebody new i thought that at the time i thought that was the right decision i thought it was time for us to move on from jagger and and to embrace somebody new i thought will jagger or excuse me will gardner was a uh was it was a good candidate for that uh now it turns out will gardner's not fit for office given what was in his background uh, and he's out of the race now. Now Jagger's back in, and and some are seeing a conspiracy theory in that. Some uh, feel that it was the quote unquote establishment who leaked this information about Will Gardner, and they see further evidence for the conspiracy because Ryan Rauschenberger, our tax commissioner, who apparently they also see as part of the establishment, uh, he is he's got a DUI on his record, and nobody's asking for him to resign. Now I, I would point out two things. First of all. Um, there are a number of Republican and Democratic lawmakers who have had DUIs over the years, uh, and nobody's been asking for them to resign. Um, there have been, you know, not only does Rauschenberger have a DUI, he's on the statewide office, uh, but as I mentioned earlier in the program, the Democratic candidate Josh Boucher also has uh, some, some, I think, the reckless driving con- uh, convictions related to alcohol. Um, you know, these things exist. So comparing those... You're right. And this was the big thing is people saying, well, you know, we should just treat all the candidates equally. Well, I don't think that those are equivalent things. I don't think that getting a, a DUI is equivalent to non-consensual voyeurism, which is essentially what Will Gardner did. Now, I realize that under the law, they're, they're both misdemeanors, but they're not the same thing. And those treating them as the same thing 
are being a little bit ridiculous. Anyway, more to come. We're going to take another break. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. Where today's the day for computer issues, Eric. Yeah. We're having all sorts of them. I made the uh, fatal mistake of... Uh... <laughs> the temperature up of the thing, and I was using the mouse to scroll down, and my computer would not move. It's like, really, really, really. <laughs> yeah. So, are you back up and running? And good uh, well, I'm on a la- I'm on a laptop right now. Oh, um, there you are. Oh, yeah. yeah there. Dark now. You're in the yeah. darkness. <laughs> well, I'm on I'm on a laptop now. The the Windows update, the Windows 10 update that I accidentally initiated during the last segment, in the middle of the last segment, and suddenly lost everything. <laughs> Speaking of which, we need to get um, we need to get somebody uh, on. We need to talk about Ben's pronunciation in that last that new segment. Can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> I know it's his last day, but he's gonna. We're gonna have to thicken up his skin a little bit if he's gonna be on this program. Oh, uh, we already he's already been hit on that. So has he? Yeah, Jaeger. Yes, yes. I wonder where that. I wonder where that pronunciation see, of our see, Secretary of State's last name came he's from. He's a he's a Central Minnesota kid, or actually a Southern Minnesota kid. So you know that's the one thing. And you've lived here, Rob, and and I've lived in this area. I grew up in Detroit Lakes, but I've lived in Fargo for a long time. So we're used to the pronunciations. But sometimes when you look at some of the pronunciations or how we say last names are different in other areas. So yes, he's been. Beaten with a stick. <laughs> Good to go. Yeah. Beaten with a stick. Well, it was a nerf nerf stick. So a nerf wasn't, stick. wasn't anything to where leave a mark. I'm I'm the last person in the world to complain <laughs> about how people pronounce things because I I and my problem is is that I read all the time. Like I'm actually not very good. Like I don't like watching videos or listening to things I, I i prefer to read things like even to the point where if there's an interview if i could find a transcript of the interview i'd rather read it than watch it or listen right. to it yeah i'm very weird like that I, I don't know what it is i i don't know if it gets back like when i was at school they had that thing where you know are you a are you a visual learner or are you or whatever i i think i'm just like i, I prefer to just read things yes but the problem with that is i see words and then i pronounce them wrong in my mind and then that's just the way i'm going to pronounce them forever and right. ever See, I still struggle struggle with the ag commissioner's name because I heard his name two different ways, Goring, Goring. and Garing. And yeah. I've always called it, I've sometimes called him, I usually call him Goring. Okay, now you've got me. But now, it, but see, I've had, I've had it pronounced both ways. So we need to. I think he pronounces it Goring. Yeah. I think. But there are others because I think the goal now of I'm UND was Garing, I believe. That could be. So, yeah. and you know, and I get beaten up sometimes. and It's like, hey, that's the way that I've heard him pronounce the name. But, you know, that's, can we get some more Smiths and Johnsons into public office? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we do know it's Mr. Grinberg as well. He, yeah. Really oh, I was going to say Grinberg. Although yeah, Grinberg yeah. sounds a lot more fun. <laughs> Grindberg sounds like a fun place to hang out. I, I will say this, though, Rob, and, and poor Ben, he's taken in good stride. He's standing right beside me here, and it was probably his first ever, like, his, it's his first newscast here anyway. But I don't know that any of us, including Rob, <laughs> have they ever been pointed out on the air after? <laughs> well, that's, what, we well, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Welcome to the party, Ben. Welcome to the party. If I got If I got to take it every day from people, you're going to have to take it, too, pal. That's just how it goes. We share the wealth around here. No, I'm kidding. Ben's doing a great job. I will say I like the deep voice. Very deep. Very, uh, he's a regular. He's like the Barry White of newsreaders. Very nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's got a great voice. So He does. I, I've, I'm giving him some secret incognito hand signals right now, so we're getting him back in the newsroom. We're, we're going to get him all polished up. I've given him the Norwegian vocabulary book. 
<laughs> and also German pronunciation. So I think yeah. I think we're getting closer. <laughs> my name, I actually the actual pronunciation of my name is Robe Pert, but nobody nobody does it. Nobody pronounces it that way. So I just I just go with Rob Port because that's just what everybody says. But I don't know. Now I'm just making stuff up. Um, while I continue to wait for my computer to finish its <laughs> updates, I'm just completely lost now. Like it's... I had a whole thing, and now I got nothing. Hey, let's talk about this. Jane All did you uh, Jane Allen's column the other day? She had this long column, and it was some some tortured some tortured metaphor about how Fargo is the kingdom kingdom of Ograph, which is Fargo spelled backwards or something. I don't know if this is a thing she does regularly. I don't know. I didn't get it. It's a little weird. Uh, but anyway, in it, she's talking about how there's there's no females elected to the Fargo City Commission. Ergo, we ought to be voting for, or I guess the people who are qualified to vote in Fargo ought to be voting for the female candidates because they're, you know, female. Um, I I think stuff like that's kind of gross. I, I and and I honestly I don't think that this I don't think that that's feminism. I don't think that voting for women because they're women is feminism i don't think it helps women i think if anything if you start doing that and you spread that around that we're going to start electing women because they're women we're also going to promote the idea that women are elect are winning elections because they're women and not because they have the best ideas or the best you know history of competency or or whatever it's not going to be about their qualifications or their merit it's going to be about their gender and it shouldn't be about their gender it shouldn't be about anybody's gender I, I'm not sure that there's anything in politics I hate more than identity politics, as, as, as though the color of your skin or your sexual orientation or your gender or your religion or any of those things should matter. They shouldn't matter. They don't matter. What should matter are what are your positions on the policies? What are your what 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 are your what are your ideas for the office? What's your governing philosophy? What sort of things have you done in the past that commend you to this position? Those are the things we should be talking about, not, oh, vote for this person because she's a girl. <laughs> what? And you shouldn't, I mean, that, to me, I hear that, and it's, it's every bit as offensive as saying, vote for this guy because he's a man. I think it's ridiculous. And I, I don't think we should be trying to, to manufacture some, um, I don't think we should be trying to, to, to manufacture some reflection in public office. Like, well, public office, like like the, the gender makeup or the racial makeup in public office has to represent society at large. Well, listen, the sort of people who run for public office aren't a representative sample of society at large. And we could talk about why that is, and there's probably a lot of reasons. And some of those reasons probably have to do with historic uh, discrimination and whatnot. And those are real debates to have. But when it comes down to it, the, the nitty-gritty, when it comes time to pick, the only people we have to pick from are the people who make themselves available by running for office. And we should evaluate those people based on their merits, based on their ideas, not their gender, not their identity. I, I hate it, and I, I hate the, the other side of this coin as well, which is that you have to you have to think a certain way because you're a certain race or a certain gender or what have you. Like if you're a woman, you have to have certain positions on certain policies. Uh, like I like I don't know the abortion issue. Like okay, well if you're a woman, then you have to have a certain view of abortion. Or if you're a minority, uh, you have to be a Democrat, right? Or, or whatever. It's it's ridiculous. It's absurd. You're an individual. You're not your skin color. You're not your gender. You're not your sexual orientation. Those things are components. 
of who you are, but who you are is an individual. And you're allowed to think what you want to think. And if you're running for public office, people should evaluate you based on what you've accomplished and what you say you'll accomplish and what your ideas are for the office that you want to hold. And that's it. I I just, I, I don't understand why we're still doing this. I mean, it's 2018. And this whole thing we talk about all the time, well, we need to have a conversation about gender, and we got to have a conversation about race, and we got to move past this stuff, we got to get to better as, better as a unifying society, right? We want to we wanna unify, we want to come together where these things don't matter anymore. And what's funny is the same people who say that, people like Jane Allen, who do say that, will simultaneously come out and say, vote for these candidates because they're women, and because we need, we need to achieve some sort of an arbitrary gender balance on the commission and which by the way what does that say about the male members of the commission right that they're somehow because of their gender they're somehow less qualified for the office because of their gender they're somehow less than the the, the potential female candidates it's absurd it's it's insulting in fact this this stuff this sort of, of political position i think ought to be relegated to the junk heap of history it's retrograde it's it's well it's gross We'll put it that way. Uh, we're going to take another break. We'll be back right after this. 701-293-9000. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Eric, 3% on my computer update. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a long show. Yeah, it's, All right. It's not going to be up today. All right. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. I feel like I got to do like the NPR voice with this. <laughs> Notice I hit the post then. Guiding you through your afternoon here on Afternoon Edition. Don't forget we're also on 93.1 FM. On 93.1 FM. Next, we'll be talking with vegan celloists from <laughs> from Nairobi. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever they do on public radio. <laughs> I don't know. That was always my... Do you ever watch that show Parks and Rec? Uh, that was one that I never really got into. I, I hate to say there's some it terrific was, stars on there, but... It was it was funny show. I liked it for I I liked the I liked the public radio segments that they did, where they it was just these absurd like we now have eleven hours of African gaming music. <laughs> well, that was kind of I'm guessing a little bit of a spinoff on SNL's uh, little NPR radio bit that they used to do years ago. Yeah. So that was funny. I, the other thing I liked is uh, is obviously Ron Swanson, one of the um, very few positive portrayals of a conservative person. In, uh, in in the entertainment industry, right? I mean, you don't often see that. Usually, usually conservatives are portrayed as like these evil sort of sort of races. Like we're not we're not usually portrayed with a lot of redeeming qualities. We'll put it that way. Uh, whereas Ron Swanson, for all his peccadillos, was uh, was Jen was overall a nice guy, mm. right? Okay, I liked it. Yeah, that was uh, that was my two you take my word. Yeah, well, it was good. You should watch it. Ron Swanson is pretty funny. Uh, he works for the government, but wants like his whole his whole goal in life is shutting. Like, he works for the Parks Department, and his whole goal in life is to get the Parks Department shut down. That's, Oof. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Uh, let's see, we got an email here um, from Tanya. She said, so there's no voting across party lines in a primary. How does one vote for a write-in independent if they are Republican or, or Democrat? Uh, oh, Martin's asking that question. Uh, Martin, actually, so, so the primary, you're, you're conflating the two different ballots. There's a primary ballot in June. 
that is the one. You're not voting for who's actually going to be the Secretary of State. You're voting for who the candidates are going to be for the various parties. And I know this is confusing because in the spring, we also hold, the parties hold their state conventions. And so the, the parties themselves have an endorsing convention and they endorse candidates who then go to the primary. And then there's another vote that actually makes them the candidate. So by state law, in order to be on the general election ballot as a Democrat or as a, as a Republican, you have to win that party's nomination on the primary ballot in June, and then the parties endorse candidates for the primary ballot at their conventions usually in March or April. I know that's really confusing. So in June, you're not voting on who the Secretary of State or or the Ag Commissioner or, or the Public Service Commissioner or any of these candidates, you're not voting for those candidates for who's going to actually hold those offices. You're voting for who the candidates are going to be for the various parties. And when you're doing that, no, you can't. If you choose the Republican ballot, you can't cross over and also vote for Democratic candidates. The idea being that Republicans should be voting for the Republican candidates, the Democrats should be voting for the Democratic candidates, because that's who's going to represent them on the general election ballot. Does that make sense, Eric, or is that just totally No, confusing? it makes total sense. But I, I get where somebody can get a little confused. I will say, since, since the emailer brought it up, and I hope that answered their question, I will say that I am not a fan of the fact that we have the June primary. And the reason why I say that is anybody can vote. Now, in, you know, for, for this, anybody can show up and say, I'm a Republican, I want to vote for the Republican candidate, including Democrats. Uh, Heidi Heitkamp could show up at, at the ballot box and vote for who the Republican candidates are going to be if she wanted to. Now, Heidi Heitkamp, obviously not a Republican, although sometimes she although sometimes she tries to play one on TV. Um, she's not a Republican. So uh, that bothers me because the way I look at it, Republican Party, Democratic Party, Libertarian Party, whatever, these are private organizations. And they should be able to decide based on whatever criteria they want who their candidates are going to be representing them uh on on the statewide ballot right i mean if 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 the democrats or the republicans or the libertarians or whoever want to decide that their candidate is going to be whoever could stand on their head the longest well that should be up to them right and if their party goes along with it and they hold a convention and, and all that that's fine they could go along with it but that's not how it is in north dakota in north dakota it's a ballot and in north dakota anybody could show up and vote for for the candidates in any party you don't have to be there's obviously no voter registration here. You don't have to have paid any dues to the Republican Party. You don't have to. You don't even have to be a Republican or a Democrat. You could just show up and vote. And and I I think, you know, especially in a situation like this with with the Secretary of State race, what what some people are worried about is that, um, you know, if if somebody were to have have tried to run against Will because Will Gardner's obviously dropped out of the race, but his name's still going to be on the June primary ballot. If Republicans tried to replace him on the tried to beat him on the primary with a write-in candidate, what stops Democrats from starting their own write-in candidate and confusing the issue? Right? And they could do that because there's no restrictions on that ballot access. So I, I, I have a problem with that. I, I think I, I think that if you want to have a say in who the Republican nominee is or the Democratic nominee or the Libertarian nominee, as the case may be. Um, you should be a member of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Libertarian Party. I mean, if you want to say in who the nominee is going to be, you should have to join the party. I, I don't understand. We don't, for, for instance, the National the National Rifle Association just chose a new leader. They chose Oliver North. Now, whatever you think of that situation, um, that decision gets made by NRA members. 
You don't get to just show up if you if you're a pro gun control, like maybe you're a member of the Brady campaign or something, and you're pro gun control. You don't just get to show up and help decide who the new NRA president is. I think we all accept that that would be kind of ridiculous. But yet, North Dakota Democrats can show up and help decide who who the uh, who the Republican nominee was. And as a matter of fact, in the 2016 cycle, Eric, we saw a big crossover. Typically, in these elections, you see about a two to one ratio between uh, Republican voters on um, you know voting in in, in the, the June primary to Democrat. There's two Republican voters for every one Democratic voter. In 2016, in that with that gubernatorial race between Doug Burgum and Wayne Stenjum, we saw that ratio grow to five to one. So it happens. I'm just not so sure it should. Hey, what do you think of these flashing lights on wind farms? Do they bother you? Do they not bother you? There are some new regulations taking in place to maybe diminish how uh, visible they are. We'll talk with Public Service Commissioner Julie Fedorchek about that. Coming up next year on The Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM, 712-939-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I see Ben's uh, Ben's at the control for our uh, for the board, and he's nervous now because I'm talking about him. He looks a little scared. He is scared. Definitely scared. That's all right, Ben. You're doing okay. You're in the headlights Don't, right now. You're in the headlights right now. You also mm-hmm. didn't get your microphone on. Good job. That's all right. We're going we're gonna to throw you right in the fire, buddy. All right. That's how it is. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke. I was just laughing. There was a, there was a tweet out there. Ryan Zinke, who's in the state right now, visiting for the uh, Williston Basin Petroleum Conference. Which, by the way, I'm going to be broadcasting live from tomorrow. Um, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke's in the state. He's going to be speaking at that event tomorrow. Um, but he's actually he's out in Western North Dakota right now. He's with uh, Lieutenant Governor Brent Sanford and Governor Doug Burgum. But he tweeted out uh, and accidentally, whoever did the tweet, I don't think it was Secretary Zinke himself. It was probably a staffer, but. Tweeted out and uh, accidentally confused our lieutenant governor with uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer, and and now there's some left wing groups kind of making uh, making some hay out of that. Uh, but I thought it was great. I mean, if they think that uh, Brent Sanford, our lieutenant governor, looks like Kevin Kramer, I think maybe. Uh, what do you think, Ben? You think Kramer could get Sanford to sit in on some boring committee hearings for him, and maybe maybe nobody would notice? Yeah, turn your mic on, buddy. There you, you can go. Try, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you could try. Oh boy. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's a joke about lieutenant governors, and then we're going to get to our guest, Public Service Commissioner uh, Julie Fedorchek. Ben, why didn't the lieutenant governor look out the window in the morning? Why didn't he? He needed something to do in the afternoon. <laughs> you like oh, that? Oh, boy. All right. All right. We're going to get to Commissioner uh, Fedorchek right now. Julie, how's it going? Good afternoon, Rob. It's going great. I should, not be so, I should not be so mean to our hardworking lieutenant governor. That was a, that was a mm-hmm. low blow. That was th- pretty low. That was He's pretty low. He's all over the place. Now, Drew Wrigley was another matter. I think that was probably true of – no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm being – Well, Drew Wrigley always talked about the fact that he wrote in crayon. So, that he wrote in crayon. <laughs> he admitted it. Yeah. I know a couple of legislators <laughs> who legislate in crayon, too, but we won't get into that. Uh, uh, all right, so let's talk about wind farms and flashing lights. And i got to tell you, Julie, you could count me in the camp. Not all of them, but there are a couple of wind farms because of their location. There's one notably south of Minot. You can see it from north of Minot. It looks like aliens are invi- invading or landing, they're touching down south of Minot every night when these lights are flashing on these windmills. I'll tell you, wind turbines, uh, they kind of bother me. Now, I don't buy into this idea. Some people don't like the wind turbines at all, and, and they talk about view shed and everything else. I'm not in that camp. 
But I, I will say that the flashing lights do bother me a little bit. And it's my understanding, though, that there are some new regulations that are starting to to take pl- go into effect uh, to maybe address that issue. Can you tell us what's going on? Absolutely. And you're not alone. We've heard a lot about uh, the blinking red lights from folks in just about every single sighting hearing that we've had for permitting these wind farms. And so it's been an issue that since I got on the commission, I've been asking you know, the industry about and trying to identify if there's some solutions. And lo and behold, a couple of years ago, a solution popped up that was um, being developed on the market that uses an aircraft. It's called an aircraft lighting detection system and aircraft detection lighting system and basically is a radar system that is connected to the lights and the lights are off unless the radar detects an aircraft within a certain vicinity of the wind wind farm and then the lights go on to to alert the the pilot that there's a wind farm down here and you need to be able to you know avoid it so that system was one that we required on three wind farms in 2016 the industry agreed to it we added it to our order which is the permit basically saying uh, they agreed to adopt that new technology by the end of december of 2018 <laughs> excuse me and uh and so that date is fast approaching and we've been in communication with that company is NextEra. They have three wind facilities that they are um, committed to using that system on, and they're supposed to have that up and running by the end of this year. So we hope that they're they're working through the plans with the F. The, the big catch for these is they have to be approved by the FAA, the Federal Aviation or Aeronautics Administration, and the FAA has to make sure that they're safe and that they work and so that they actually will detect um, the the wind farm and alert the air uh, traveling aircraft that there is a wind farm there. So this technology has been approved by the FAA. There was somewhat of a, contra- uh, a contradictory news article that was out recently that the company said this technology hasn't been approved by the FAA. Indeed, it has been approved by the FAA, and there's three different vendors for that technology, and it's incumbent now upon the company to choose one of those vendors that is been approved by the FAA and then get their plan for using that lighting system also approved by the FAA and then get it up and running and operational in North Dakota. And we're still optimistic that that will happen with three facilities, two just south of Dickinson, the Brady Wind Facilities, number one and two, and Oliver, number three, which is just uh, west of Bismarck, Mandan. And you can see that one from much of the Bismarck Mandan community, it's far off on the horizon to the west. Um, you can see that almost every night uh, from most places in town. Yeah. So, so I so think that me, folks here will appreciate that. Well, let me because there's there's more than one technology, right? I mean, it, there's there's the one that where the airplanes, if the airplanes are near, kind of a proximity thing. Where if the airplanes are near, then the then the lights kick on, uh, and and provide their their obviously their cautionary their their safety. Uh, thing, but but was there, there's an other one too that that maybe dims the lights or something or makes them less bright. What 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 is that? Right now, there's what, only one approved technology okay, by the FAA. Gotcha. The lid gotcha. system has not been approved yet, so they're working okay. through that process. And I think the vendor is optimistic that it will get approved. But that pro- that technology is a little different. Well, con- considerably different. That basically. <clears throat> Uh, is based on visibility. So on a really clear day, that technology would say, you know, you don't need the lights very bright, so let's turn away down and only have them as bright as necessary to provide the prop- 
for alerts to the aircraft. And then gotcha. if, the, if the visibility is, is t- you know, more co- hazy, then the lights increase in brightness uh, to accommodate for that. And that's called the lid, lid system. Now, now, from the perspective of the state, and I, and I understand that the Public Service Commission here is, is sort of acting at the behest of, of the legislature. If, if I'm under, you can correct me, I guess, if I'm wrong. But right now, I mean, is there a preferred versus, you know, turning them off versus dimming them? I mean, is there a preferred approach here? You know, when we first started requiring these in our orders, the, the commission itself, we only knew about the ALDS system, the aircraft lighting detection system. And so we included that specifically in our orders. And so that's what the first ones will be. But then the legislature then at the next legislative session took this a little step further further and looked at it more comprehensively, which I really appreciated. And they came up with a a requirement for all the farms that have been um, permitted since that time in June of 2016 when we started doing this. They have to have these systems in place by 2019, end of 2019, and they can use any um, any light mitigation, light mitigating technology is the term they use. So it could be the lids, it could be the ALDS, it could be something different that ha- hasn't been approved yet, as long as it's available, approved by the FAA, and, and purchasable for the wind um, facility. The legislature did not specify which technology, which I think is appropriate because time is going to, you know, make changes well, yeah. in all of this stuff, and <clears throat> it's the best way to set that sure. policy. Well, that's what we know about technologies. It's always evolving, and so we want <clears throat> to make sure that, you know, we, we don't have to wait around necessarily for the legislature to uh, – you know, every time we got a new technology coming in. Um, okay, so so let's talk. I mean, th- this is obviously going into effect for new wind farms, but is there anything in terms of retrofitting some of the wind farms that already exist? I mean, at what point could we expect to see this technology applied there? There is, and that's another big issue that the legislature tackled. So our state policymakers talked through that issue. We had multiple um, hearings on that issue during the session, and the industry and the public and regulators like myself all testified through that process and the legislature determined that by uh, December 31st of 2021 all the existing facilities operational in North Dakota of which there are 3,000 megawatts today of of, um, installed wind generation all of those facilities should have the light mitigating technology installed and operational or they can if they come up uh, with some big hiccup there was uh, there is a technology exception and economics exception, and there is an FAA. You know, if it's not approved by the FAA exception, right. so they can they can ask us for a waiver of the PSC for all those right. three and, conditions. And obviously, I mean one one debate we have here in North Dakota all the time is not putting unnecessarily burdensome regulation on on industry, and usually we're talking about farming or energy but i i think to be fair to the wind industry i you know i think you got to be there too is not just not just hit them with some whammy that makes it prohibitive to build to build wind farms you know i i don't think we want the, this okay. lighting issue to, to, to get into the point but i i think obviously the technology exists where we can find a, a happy medium here where, where maybe everybody could be happy and, and the wind farms are a little bit less intrusive so um but but it looks like there is going to be progress towards not just new wind farms having this technology uh, but old farms. Uh, and then, I mean, how, how, do we know, I mean, as you've gone through this process, and, and I'm going to talk about the, the, the proximity solution, where basically with the, they're going to turn on when, when aircraft are, are, are near. Um, 
do we know how, how often does that happen? I mean, how often is it that that aircraft are near at night that would require? I mean, would do we know how often the lights would end up turning on on average? Was there, did you get any information on that through this process? Well, that obviously depends a lot on where the facility is located. If they're near an airport uh, or near a community like Minot, those might come on more frequently because of their air base and their the commercial airport in Minot. And uh, in more remote areas, probably very little. There is one facility in Wyoming that has this uh, ALDS system installed and operational. And I just saw a story where they uh, felt like the lights were off 90 to 95% of the time at that location. So it's a significant improvement if you yeah. just look at that one, st- one test case. And is it, I mean, do the aircraft have to be below a certain age? I mean, because I'm thinking like, you know, a lot of times you look up in the sky and you'll see like a commercial airline flight that's up there at like 35,000 feet or something. Uh, I mean, if, if that plane flying over North Dakota, is that going to trigger our, our, our where or do they have to be below a certain altitude or a certain type of airplane? How does that work? You know, that's a really good question, and it's not one that I've asked or that I've heard asked, so I don't know the answer to that, but that's something I will explore. Uh, if the, you know, if there's a certain distance, I'm assuming there is on the radar, a certain yeah. distance to um, to trigger a, the the lights to come on, but I don't know what that distance is. Yeah, certainly. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com if you want to join the if, if you want to join the discussion. Oh, what's the cost? I, and and again, I imagine that that the wind industry weighed in on this, and and they're not unreasonably or, or concerned about the cost of implementing this. I mean, does this add a lot to the cost of, of, of the new projects? In, that's that's another thing because the technology is so new and there haven't been very many cases of it being used. We didn't get a huge um, amount of data on the actual cost. There was numbers thrown out in the range of 50000 to a $1 million for a facility. And, and again, for the, the lid system versus the ALDS, that lid system is significantly less expensive than the air protection system. Um, and so those were um, concerns that they expressed. I have heard, you know, several companies, though, um, Autotel Power, for example, came to me separately from the the hearings and said, we don't view this as being cost prohibitive and it's something we will be looking at doing just in the name of being a good neighbor to the citizens of the state and recognizing that there's a lot of new wind generation out there and growing and we want people to be supportive of it. So yeah. um, I, I think it's something that when you look at the cost of a project over 30 years, and, which is what these companies do, is something that can be incorporated in a relatively uh, modest way and, and not impact them extreme, in, mm-hmm. in extreme ways. Um, they, the legislature did give us give the companies an opportunity to make the case for us that it's too expensive, that it's cost prohibitive, and we can give them a waiver for that reason. I, I- I, I could tell you. I mean, I, I like where this is going, and and I don't want to listen. I'm I'm a I'm a wind energy skeptic, and I worry that sometimes mm-hmm. what's driving a lot of this development is economic signals that are created not by the marketplace but by government policy. But that's a debate for another day. That said, if we could find a way to make the wind farms a little less intrusive, uh, without undue regulatory burden. Um, I think that's a win across the board. So hopefully it's, this is good you. progress, and I, th- yep. I think this is good news. 
So, uh, Julie, thanks, thanks for your time. Rob. Certainly, certainly Thank appreciate you. it. That's Public Service Commissioner Julie Podorchek. This is the Rob Report, 970 AM, 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 AM, 93.1 FM. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, hey, Ben, did you get in on the, uh, or Ben or Eric, whoever the heck I'm talking to? We're, we're, we're training we're tag day. teaming. Yeah. It's, it's tra- training day today on the Rob Report. In addition, we're doing computer updates in the middle of the show. We're training in new people. All right. Just, just bear with us. Work in progress. <laughs> Rob needs a fleet of people. Wow. I do. Um, <laughs> all right. Hey, okay. So that, that, yeah, that Yanni and Laurel thing. Right. Which, by the way, I found a picture of a, I found a picture of a restaurant called Yanni's. Uh, I put it on Facebook and I said, Laurel's is my favorite place to eat. Jeez. All right. I, so I, I have a question for you, by the way, when we get uh-oh. a few minutes. So okay. Let me well, know let's when do I can your, ask you a question. All right. Well, now, now that you've derailed what I was going to talk about, oh, let's just go ahead and talk on. about Don't what you're going to talk about, Eric. <laughs> no, no, let's, Since let's talk about all show. the things that you want to talk about, Eric. <laughs> well, I just wanted to see, and it does scare me a little bit. I don't know if you saw that CNN report coming out a little bit of time or a little bit ago that CNN and the Associated Press were barred from entering the EPA meeting today and the with yeah. uh, Mr. Pruitt. And so it does concern me. We had this happen uh, several months ago when the Trump administration was frustrated with some people and we barred TV cameras yeah. from the White House press conference. And the EPA well, it happened. Here, at, it happened here in North Dakota, too. Yeah. Where, um, who was it? Was it, was it? It was Pruitt, right, when he was here? Yes. Well, the it was same the EPA person. administrator. Yeah, yeah same person. Right. And now they're coming back and saying, well, there just wasn't enough room in there, so we couldn't get him yeah. in. And it's like... Really, you can't right. tell me that there wasn't something pushed. I don't know about the Associated Press, but you can, you know, raise some eyebrows at the coverage that CNN does sometimes, a lot of times, actually, with the Trump administration. I just kind of cringe when we start having major media outlets barred or not allowed to do yeah, things. Yeah, it worries, it worries me, too. And listen, I am sympathetic to the idea that we have a problem with media bias in this country. Um, and I, I think it's something the journal and journalism industry needs to solve for itself. Uh, they are losing the trust of the American people, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, that most of the people in their newsrooms kind of see the world monolithically. And I think they'd do better if they had more viewpoint diversity. Uh, that being said, um, I don't I don't like the idea of media outlets bar. I, I don't care how hostile they are, unless the reporters or, or, or the news agencies and they're just being disruptive, right? If they're in there disrupting the meeting or acting, you know, whatever – Okay, then maybe you could bar them because they're acting unprofessionally. But if they're just there covering you aggressively the same as everybody else and you just don't like the things that they're reporting or the things that they're saying about you and so you want them out of there, uh, I don't agree with that at all. I, I mean, has has CNN been tough on the Trump administration? Absolutely. Have they been unfair to the Trump administration at some points? I think that's absolutely true, too. Does that mean that the Trump administration, up to and including the EPA administrator, and I don't, I don't know all the specifics about this incident you're talking about, Eric. I'm just speaking generally. The AP um, reporter says that he was shoved out, or they were shoved out the door. Mm, so I, but again, yeah. this is a CNN story, so you got to consider yeah. the spin possibly a little bit. But it does. I don't. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's. I mean, obviously, when it comes down to this, I mean, the press, you know, when the press is telling their own story, you know. They're, they're every bit is they're going to be biased in their own favor. And that's I mean, that is what it is. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. It just is. Uh, but no, I don't like the idea. I mean, and listen, Pruitt's I mean, they did it here in North Dakota. It's not like this is an isolated incident. Um, 
So here's the thing. I don't think I don't think government officials should be doing this in the first place, right? Again, as long as the reporters are acting professionally, they're not there like disrupting you or throwing water balloons at you or something while you're behind the podium. Um, they should be allowed to cover it. Uh, and if they're writing negative things about you or they're reporting negative things about you, tough. You live in a free society. We have a thing called the First Amendment. The price of admission to our free society is that sometimes you're going to have to take it when people write mean things about you. I don't like it when Senator Heidi Heitkamp won't come on this program. I don't like it when her campaign won't respond to my inquiries. I think that's wrong, and I think it's equally wrong when the EPA administrator, if if that's what he's doing here, is doing it. My other thing, though, is that if you are going to do this, then you just need to come out and own it. Don't try to say, oh, it was a mix-up or whatever excuse they're going to have. If you're going to exclude people because you don't like what they write, then just own it. Then just come out and admit that. But they shouldn't be doing it in the first place, I think. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. This is what Rob Fort listens to all day long. I do. I, I, I literally do. I, it's... <laughs> But I don't know that this is your favorite song, though. Um, Hank Williams, I like. Um, I like Love Sick Blues. I think that's. I think that's the classic. I like that one. Um, all oh. right, seven zero one two nine. Oh, sorry. Go I ahead. was just going to say I'll leave that one for Ben. A suggestion. All right. So. All right. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday. My, de- my desktop computer now telling me it has no boot device available. So that's that's fantastic. <laughs> so when the show gets done, done, why am I looking at your belly right now? Well, because I've got to, <laughs> I'm trying to fix the other computer, and I had to put the screen down. Please move it oh back up. God. Please do not move it down. Oh. HR, HR. Oh. <laughs> well, now you made it weird, Eric. Now you made it weird. Oh. What do you want to talk about? Uh, okay, so the Yanny, uh, this is what I wanted to talk about last time, and you were, you're, you're just anti the Yanny versus Laurel thing. But somebody did a survey about who the people are who heard Yanny and who the people are who heard Laurel in that now infamous audio recording that took the Internet by storm. And listen to this. Uh, the Huffington Post did the survey, and you might like this, Eric. Um, if you heard Yanny... When you listen to that recording, you were more likely to have voted for Hillary Clinton. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. And if you heard Laurel, you were more likely to listen to, or you, you, were, you were more likely to have voted for Donald Trump. See, the only real breakdown that I heard of this, that it could come down to age because people's ears change. Yeah. And so and that was part of the reason maybe, maybe older people voted for Trump. That's, well, that's actually exactly what happened. That's exactly what it was, is that uh, Donald Trump, uh, the older you are, the more likely you uh, the more likely you were to hear Laurel, and the more likely you were. I, when I first saw this, I was all ready to write like some, some like long piece, think piece about what this says about our society, that you know, how divided we are, you know, like, like we can't hear each other. You know what I mean? Like, I was going to use this. This is going to be a great metaphor about how, <laughs> like, you can't hear Yanny and I can't hear Laurel or vice versa. And, and it's it's how we're not listening to each other and we're talking past one another. But then I read deeper and it turns out it's just if you're older. <laughs> if you're an old person, you you, you heard Laurel. Oh, boy. And it, it has to do with the fact that you're, like, going deaf or something. I don't know. I still don't remember even what I heard. I don't know what I heard. 
What did I hear? I actually heard a third thing. We, uh, Mike and I were picking up the word Yeri as well. Yeri? Yeah, Yeri. Because Mike had a version where he had pitched it. It was able to pitch it at many different levels, trying to see if we could, you know, get the Yanni or Yanni part of it. And I don't think that we ever really heard that part of it. We heard the Laurel part. But Jared Piepenberg from our weather center, he was the only one, but he's a young hipster. So he's the only one that probably a Hillary voter. <laughs> probably. <laughs> heard the Ugh. Yanni part. But somewhere along the line, I heard Yeri, like Ron Yeri. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, it was disappointing. Uh, it, it was kind of interesting, though, that they even did the survey. Some of the other questions, they asked about some other controversies as well, like whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. If you're under 30, well, and, and pretty much across the board, uh, if well, I, I take that back. If you're under 44, you're likely to say it's not a sandwich. If you're other, if 45 to 64, people are split on whether or not it's a sandwich. If you're over 65, you probably think a hot dog is a sandwich. See, by definition, I guess I you probably would say it's a sandwich, but I've never thought of it as a sandwich. Yeah, me neither. Also, how many spaces, this is a big one for me, is typing. And people who uh, edit my work ask me why I do this all the time. I put two spaces when you're done with a sentence. You put one space or two spaces when you're typing. Well, um, at, at a period, I've always been taught to put two spaces after a yeah, period. Yeah, me too. It's an artifact of type. It's from back when you use typewriters. Right. I suppose. what it is. So you're telling yeah. me that's not the deal anymore? No, you're, I, a lot of people just do one because oh, we don't use typewriters anymore. That's why people look at me strange when I send notes and stuff. You know, like, if you're under 30, you do one space. 30 to 44, it's kind of split. 45 to 64, it's kind of split. But, yeah, that's, I don't know. Interesting, interesting stuff. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Interesting to me. Maybe not anybody See, else. See, this is hey, kind I of look, like a Friday show as opposed to. It is to, kind of uh, like a Friday yeah. show. So, well, tomorrow I'm broadcasting live. It's also a show when your computer's broken and won't boot back up. That's the show. Hey, I did actually. I've got my Chromebook out, and I did look up that CNN story about EPA kicking uh, reporters out. Now, the, here, here's the statement. This is from. Uh, Jahan Wilcox, who, by the way, Jahan Wilcox worked for Doug Burgum's uh, gubernatorial campaign. Oh, did not know that. He's now an EPA spokesman. He said the agency barred reporters from attending due to space limitations inside the venue. Uh, he said the EPA was able to accommodate only 10 reporters and that it provided a live stream for those who we could not accommodate. Uh, this was simply an issue of the room reaching capacity, which reporters were aware of prior to the event however there's other reports uh, a a report published by the hill which is sort of a washington dc newspaper um they came out and they said uh, that there were empty seats in the press section uh and that there was also uh, somebody took a photo from inside and it certainly looked like there were enough room for cnn to set up their cameras so if you got empty seats it's kind of hard to argue there's not enough space in the venue i'm claiming bull because i'm guessing they also picked a venue where they could claim that. I mean, there's probably a hundred different conference rooms or areas that they yeah. could have done that. It had more than 10 seats. Yeah. I don't think that there's any question that, that the, the press is hostile to the, the Trump administration, or at least a lot of them are not all of them. A lot of them are. And I don't necessarily have a problem with the Trump administration pushing back Adam. Um, but I don't doing this, I think is just unacceptable. I mean, I, I mean, I think I, I think this actually hurts. Listen, I think Scott Pruitt is great for America. I think he's great for North Dakota. I think a lot of the stuff he's doing at the EPA is good work. 
you know, rolling back, I, I, I think under previous administrations, the EPA had become not an agency dedicated to protecting the environment, but something to be used as a weapon against certain industries and, and, and to the benefit of other industries. And that's not how the EPA was intended to be used. I think Scott Pruitt is trying to correct a lot of that. I think that has made him a lightning rod for criticism because, let's face it, environmentalism is very central to liberal thinking these days, and it, it made him an enemy. Uh, but the problem is, is if you're in that situation, what you don't want to do is give the other side openings to be right in their criticism about you. And I think that's what they're doing in this instance where, you know, they're playing these games or they're kicking certain reporters out. Um, but here's the problem, Eric, is, is I think trust in the press has deteriorated, deteriorated to a point in this country. I suspect that a lot of people, particularly in, in President Trump's political base, are hearing this and they're thinking, yeah. Kick CNN out of there. Yeah. Who cares about that? Well, I will say this, and I don't ever remember this with any other president. It seems like any little thing Donald Trump does now, CNN's got to have a panel and a four-hour discussion about it. I don't yeah. ever remember Barack Obama. And there aren't, there aren't usually a lot of people, if anybody, on that panel defending the president. No. There. I mean, there's there's a token one usually. They usually have a group of four, and there's a, the one token Trump the supporter one. that it gets was getting beat ganged down. up on. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking about not major topics, but... Something that's kind of marginal, and it's all of a sudden, now we got our panel convened, and here we go. There's either four or eight of them just dissecting every single word. I just, I don't remember it being like that. Yeah, I mean, we've we've done this. I actually watched a documentary about um, Bill Buckley. I, I don't know if you know who he is. William F. Buckley. He was the founder of National Review, conservative magazine. Yep. Yeah. Uh, firing line and all that. Uh, he and Gore Vidal, who did a, they did like a, a sort of a panel discussion about the president, the, the Democratic and, and Republican conventions back in 1960, whatever. And a lot of people pointed that as, as sort of the beginning of this modern idea of, of, you know, having this, this sort of point counterpoint talking heads, uh, shouting at one another, um, that was the beginning of it, and I, I'm not so sure. And, and listen, I'm an opinion guy, and I like the opinion thing. I, I think the problem with a lot of it is it just becomes sort of staged combat. You know, I, I think a lot of these people, they're getting paid to take a position, and they're just taking the position, and it's not really even about informing the public. It's just about it's just about the combat, right? Like, it's not even, it's not even political debate anymore. Because I'm not even sure a lot of them are even giving you an honest representation of how they feel. I think they're just tasked with being on a certain team. And their position is to always be for that team and to attack the people on the other team. And then at that point, what's the difference between that and like a boxing match? What's the difference between that and like MMA fighting? Or, or even an even better comparison, the WWE, professional wrestling. I mean, that's what it looks like to me a lot of the time. More to come straight ahead. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. No, go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDY.com. Uh, sorry, the show was a little rough around the edges today, boy, which, which I guess is what happens when your computer decides to take a bath in the middle of the whole thing. Uh, and then when you, when you got an inexperienced producer contributing uh, as well, but, Ben, I think you're doing a good job. I'm looking forward to working with you, buddy. All right. Looking forward to working with you, Rob. I think it'll be fun. I think now, where, where are you? Because you're gonna, I'm, I'm going to be asking you sometimes to weigh in on political issues. I really don't know anything about Where are you politically? Do you care? Do you want to, I mean, do you have a political position? 
Uh, I'm generally more liberal, but I've been kind of getting more conservative through college, yeah, just that's learning right. more. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. See, that's usually how it happens. You grow up, you learn some things, you're not liberal anymore. No, I'm, I'm kidding. That's terrible. Um, I, don't worry. I'll get you over on the dark side. All right. It's, it's more fun. It's more fun over here on the dark side, uh, Ben. Um, uh, speaking of which, I've, I've been defending, actually, or not defending, I guess that's the wrong word for it. The, this whole thing with Will Gardner, it, it's amazing to me. And he, by the way, is a, the, the candidate dropped out of the Secretary of State race after his 2006 uh, disorderly conduct conviction came to light. That, that conviction was because he was peeping in windows on girls who didn't want to be peeped on. Um, there are people out there. Who are defending him. And I started the show talking about this. You know, they, they think it's some sort of conspiracy by the establishment to get Will Gardner. No, the thing is, is Will Gardner did something dumb back in 2006. And that thing that he did makes him unfit to hold public office for a number of reasons. Not just because he engaged in non-consensual voyeurism. Not just because, the, according to the police report, he had his pants undone and his shirt untucked. Not just because he had his belt on the front seat and his wallet on the front seat, which, by the way, I think are precautions somebody who plans on having their pants down probably takes. Uh, not just because he failed to disclose this to the delegates at the NDGOP convention earlier this year. I feel like they would have voted differently if they'd known about this, if he'd been honest about mm-hmm. his background. Uh, not just because of all that, but also because he did this on at his employer. He worked at NDSU at the time. Right? But, that that shows a, a startling lack of judgment. Well, I I just have no idea how he thought that this wasn't going to like get found out by people. Like this is crazy yeah. to me. Why would yeah. you run? Yeah. I mean, we live in a digital land. I mean, was he sitting I can imagine every time he got an email or a phone call from somebody like me in the media. I mean, does, is he sitting there just wondering, is this the time when they found out? I mean, why would you put yourself in that position, I don't understand. Meanwhile, I've got people on Facebook going, well, well, porn is legal. Why is what he did any different than porn? Well, porn is consensual. Whatever you want to think about people performing sexual acts on film for money, um, and, you know, certainly we could have a debate about that. It's A, protected by the First Amendment, and B, consensual. Non-consensual porn is illegal. You're not allowed to just film people when they're naked without their consent. It's illegal. Can't do that. What Will Gardner did is illegal. It's not like porn. It's not like it's not like he was just walking down a sidewalk and glanced over and happened to see a naked person in the window. That's not necessarily illegal. You're not necessarily violating their privacy because you're on public policy uh, on public property uh, and they're basically showing themselves. That have you hear about that happening sometimes. You're walking down the sidewalk, you glance in your neighbor's window, you see maybe a little bit more than you wanted to see. That's not a crime. You were on public property, you weren't doing it on purpose. Where it becomes a crime is this guy snuck up, he's peeping in multiple windows. According to one police report, although Gardner denies this, he's got his pants down, or his pants undone at least. And he's looking, he's peep trying to peep through curtains. That's what the police said. And that's what he pled guilty to. So, I, I mean, the idea that, that, that Will Gardner's a victim here is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. He is not a victim. He, if anything, he's a victim of his own decisions and actions. Right? right. And, uh, you know, listen, I feel for his family. I feel for his wife. I'm sure I feel, honestly, I feel bad for Will. I'm sorry that he has to go through this. But, uh, you know, he's he's he made his decisions. He made the decision he made back in 2006. In 2017, 2018, he made the decision to run for statewide office, which is why now this is an issue.
So I I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm I'm tired of people painting this guy like he's a victim. And hopefully we can move on from this and we can have a robust debate about who's going to be the next Secretary of State that centers around um, things like governing philosophy and job performance and, and policy positions. That that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, let's see what's coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow going to be broadcasting live from the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference, put on by the North Dakota Petroleum Council. Uh, going to have all sorts of guests there. Raw pre- uh, president of the North Dakota Petroleum Council, Ron Ness, is going to be on. Uh, I'm going to be doing my whole show from there. We'll also be doing some updates during the Jay Thomas show. Uh, should be exciting. And, and I think this is an exciting conference for North Dakota right now because, you know, we had that oil boom and things are pretty good. And then oil prices went down. Well, it kind of seems like things are on the way back. So there's a discussion to be had here. What's next? What's the new normal going to look like? Anyway, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Jay Thomas Show straight ahead. Stay tuned for that. You can always catch me right here, 12 to 2 p.m. on 970 AM, 93.1 FM, or, of course, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingsblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.